0: You're listening to Common Threads, a podcast about ethical fashion, hosted by Ruth McGill And Alice Cruikshank. Fed up a fashion greenwashing? Then you're in the right place. We go beyond buzzwords and PR peddling interviews, and instead dive deep into what really matters. Each week, we break down the big issues with the help of some of the fashion industry's leading change makers and thought leaders.
1: Let's rethink fashion, one conversation at a time. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Series 3 of Common Threads. We've had a bit of a glow up for this new season with new music by our talented friend Fina McKinnell, new microphones and new cover art too.
0: Yes, welcome back everybody. This is our first episode since being selected for the Spotify Next Wave programme. So a big hello if you're new here and thanks for sticking with us if you're an old timer. We have some seriously juicy topics to explore this series with some really great guests. So if you haven't already, we recommend you hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this so you don't miss an episode.
1: Now, speaking of juicy topics, we thought we'd begin series three with a little controversy. Now, after spending the past 28 episodes sharing our love of all things ethical fashion, we thought we'd shake things up and explore some of our gripes with the world of sustainable style. Now don't get us twisted. Any fashion movement that values workers and treats them with the respect they deserve while working to minimise the ecological damage that clothing creates definitely gets a thumbs up from us. But when you put that aside and look at the attitudes, voices and the general reality of embracing the ethical fashion system in your day-to-day life, things aren't as perfect as they may seem. Common Threads is written, researched, produced, and presented entirely by us. We put so much work into making this happen, and we love making this content for you. But we need you to keep this podcast going. We
0: would love it if you could help us keep the podcast free and accessible for everyone by donating the cost of a cup of coffee to our Ko-fi account.
1: Head to ko-fi.com slash commonthreadspodcast to give a one-off donation of £3.
0: Your support really means the world to us. Thank you. So let's get stuck into these issues. First of all, we wanted to talk about this question of investing in quality, sustainable clothing, and can we really invest in clothing for life? And I was sort of thinking about this during the pandemic, as I'm sure many of us were kind of looking at our wardrobes, that over time obviously our bodies change I think especially as women we change shape we go up we go down and it can be difficult I think both financially and psychologically to think about investing in something that's going to last you a long time especially if you're someone who struggles with you know weight fluctuation or what whatever it is that you struggle with I think it can be difficult to relate to that idea of just buy this like 300 pound dress and it will last you forever and you can keep repairing it when that's not really the reality I think for a lot of people and I think it's perfectly fine to like to say all this stuff and obviously I'm a big proponent of repair and making things last but I also think it's totally fine if you've got to a point especially like post-pandemic of being like I really need new clothes I can't afford really expensive, sustainable items. I need something that's gonna make me feel good in the body I am in now. Because fashion, even though it is this big industry, it's science, it's art, it's politics, it's all of the stuff that we love. Ultimately, it's something that we wear close to our bodies, close to our skin. It's extremely intimate, it's extremely personal. It makes us feel all kinds of ways. And I just think, I mean, this isn't so much a gripe, it's more just a commentary on where we're going as a movement. How do we take into account that really personal impact that fashion has?
1: Oh my God, yes, I can relate to this so, so much. Like, I have been a lot of different shapes and sizes over my life. Um, and I had clothes that I thought were investment pieces that do not fit me anymore so can someone tell me how that works like when I hear people talk about you know I've had this piece for 25 years I wore it in my 20s and now I wear it now and I love it and I've repaired it and I've altered it I'm like that's amazing but how many people can actually do that like I fully accept my body shape when I am 50 is not going to be the same as it is now and I'm not going to make myself stay the same size so I fit into these clothes that's not what life is about I like to think that there will be things I will have for a long time but a long time for me is probably three years it's not 30 years and I think bodies changing aside we have to accept styles change I feel like I'm in a flux right now I'm kind of in my late 20s if you just said right what you buy at twenty even if I was magically the same size, which I'm definitely not, you're going to want to wear that when you're 30. No, I don't. And I think when we say to people, you have to invest in pieces for life, we're risking alienating young people. Like we need everyone on the ethical fashion train and young people are probably the most notorious for fast fashion. So we're saying to them, you have to be buying things that you're going to want to wear forever and your style's not going to change. Then you're kind of saying don't have a style just wear very basic pieces and I do not subscribe to that my business I definitely do not subscribe to that so it is a balance of how can you find clothes that are going to last and aren't throw away without necessarily being like you must keep this for 30 years and if you can't do that you're a bad person because that is not a narrative I'm going to subscribe to but I think this is
0: also where like the way that young people, we sound like old people when we say the word young people, but the way that young people are shopping now is through you know, resale mostly, through swapping, through renting and through all these kind of new ways of shopping where they're not necessarily saying it's more sustainable to buy something that will last forever. They're kind of embracing the fact that fashion is like ephemeral, fashion is fleeting. Like that is the definition of fashion, it's, it is trends like that is what it is in itself so we're kind of turning the idea that fast fashion is like a single use purchase maybe it is but maybe you know what we wear can be that if we just find new ways to circulate it so in a way like it's okay if your style and your size fluctuates what preys on that though is is fast fashion marketing you know and I think all of us relate to like feeling really rubbish about our body and then you know, buying something that we regret buying, but maybe there are new ways of framing the narrative that mean that it's not looked down upon to do that, but actually it's a, sol- a temporary solution for a temporary time before it goes on to a new owner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think. While we can't necessarily control how our bodies change we can think about our attitude to clothes and I know that when I shop now even if I'm not like I'm going to have this forever I think about the life cycle I'll be like "Mm, this material isn't great it's not going to last me that long probably not going to buy it or this won't have a resale value I'm not going to buy it. But I think that kind of nicely brings us on to our next point which is that ethical fashion doesn't serve everyday families. So I think now we're at that that stage in sort of exposure that everyone is familiar with ethical fashion like I have like you know my mom and my aunt and my gr- and my gran you know they want to be making better choices but just because you want to do better doesn't mean that you can not because of you but because of the system so I think my when I first kind of became aware of ethical fashion my first thought was how does this serve a single mom or even you know a conventional family with kids how how do you deal with this kids grow out of their clothes every few months and they need school uniforms are you just gonna be like oh i'm sorry you can't have those trousers they're polyester no your kid's gonna need those trousers for six months and then grow out you're gonna buy those trousers from asda i'm not looking down on you for doing that we need to get realistic about this and at the moment ethical fashion is like it's not a trend but it's it's like a clothing type so, you know, I'm, I'm a grungy style I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm the ethical fashion style. And that is, that's wrong. That's not how the system needs to be. The system needs to be, how do we get everyone on board this train? So while realistically we aren't gonna have parents or low income people buying from ethical brands, what can we do for them? And I feel like school kids is something that I'm hyper aware of, especially as I don't have kids. It's a bit weird, but I do think about this a lot. And actually got asked recently, if I would speak at school, if I think it was quite a low income area, um, and some of the school got in touch and was like, you know, a lot of our parents are struggling with poverty, with covid. Um, a lot of the kids just want like designer trainers and such and such. Would you come and do a talk about ethical fashion? And I just said, you know what, no, I'm I'm not the person for you right now because I can talk to you about you know garment workers' plights. I can talk to you about sustainability. I can do all of this. I can explain why those designer trainers are not actually worth any more money than something from Primark. But that is not helping low-income people. That is not what they need to hear. They need access to repair stations, uniform exchanges, clothing that isn't crap and is going to like see their kids through a season. There needs to be You know, fashion marketing needs to change so that young kids don't feel like they're a loser if they don't have the perfect shoes. And I can't help with any of that. And that is one of my biggest gripes with ethical fashion. I think that's so
0: interesting as well, what you said about like getting school uniform from Asda because, so like last night I was watching Love Island and there were like obviously all these fast fashion adverts, but one of the adverts was for Asda, like for Georgia Asda and them being more sustainable, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know, was immediately rolling my eyes thinking, you know, this is greenwashing, blah, blah, blah. But then, I mean, the constant fact that I'm, that I come to heads with every day in my job is that big brands are not going away. And the main reason, apart from the slick marketing machine, that they're not going away is because they serve people. It's because they tick the box. It's because they provide cheap, decent quality, washable, non-iron school uniform. It provides school uniform you can pick up on your weekly shop rather than having to go at a separate day to a separate high street, to a separate shopping mall. They serve people. And as much as I am like the biggest like anti-greenwashing person, like big brands aren't going away. They're not going to be abolished. We have to encourage them to do better. We have to incentivize that because we're never going to convert, you know, everyday families to these niche brands. We need to, the options that they already shop from, the options that they already use need to be better. And any other ways that we can, provide to make those brands better like you say repair and swapping you know apparel exchange in Glasgow we are huge fans of Izzy Erickson who runs it is incredible and is really revolutionizing school uniform and kids clothing in that way but not every town has an apparel exchange you know what towns do have is maybe a Primark or a Matalan or an Asda in rural Scotland you don't have any of this stuff at all you just have maybe a one trip into town or whatever's online that you can find that you can afford so I think we really need to get to that crux of like how we're communicating as you say like talking to a school like not alienating people like getting real real everyday like parents talking about this stuff like I've spoken at schools as well and it's like why am I doing this I do not have kids I don't I do not know what it's like to have to you know pick up school uniform school shoes because your kids feet have grown again and you know you can't afford new shoes again and they all do like especially with like sneaker culture now you know kids do want big brands I know this from like all my wee cousins I've got like all these wee cousins and like they want like cool sneakers they want like the latest Nike you know tracksuit or whatever like they really want that and as a parent you know you, you want to be able to provide that but. Yeah, I think overall I am starting to change my attitude towards greenwashing because of this issue because I know that the reason fast fashion and the reason high street and supermarket fashion works is because it serves people.
1: Yeah, it's it's a huge issue and I'm glad that we're talking about it because I don't want anyone to think that this is this is not the place for them like you can be into the sustainability conversation without necessarily being hot on sustainability. And I want to come back to something you said about Love Island, because this is something I have a lot of thoughts about. I mean, by the time this episode goes out, I guess I'll be quite far into this series. But this, to me, brings up the whole mental health, self-image issue with fast fashion. Like, just not buying fast fashion, especially as a young person, is not simple. So, my notes here say (laughs) Love Island did me dirty in 2018, and I stand by this. So, my one and only series of Love Island that I've ever watched was back in 2018. But Love Island very much tells you, like, this is the way to appear. And, like, see, in 2018, if I could have got on Love Island, I absolutely would have done it. And if Boohoo had been like, we'll give you this closed deal, I 100% would have gone along for it because as much as we love to think that, oh, ethical fashion is cool now and kids love vintage and all that, like fast fashion is still recording record profits. And that is largely because of influencers and, you know, celebrities wear something and fast fashion can turn it around within a couple of weeks. So it's easy to be like, oh, just don't buy it. But the pressure is so intense and I think this is something I personally relate to a lot the whole mental image situation that sorry mental health self-image situation of fast fashion like I in my life my adult life have always had pretty decent jobs but I have never had any money I was one of those people that was like I can't really afford to go out but I was buying new clothes every single week. Like my clothing spend every month was hundreds of pounds and I don't have any of that left. And to be honest, that was a big part of my like turning point towards ethical fashion. I had several moves from different cities and I finally came home and I had all these suitcases and I was like, none of this fits me. I don't like it. Where did my money go? Why am I broke? And we cannot Ignore that. Like society has us so predisposed to be like, I have to look a certain way that to shun that takes a lot of self confidence and self assurance. And it's not something that everyone can do, not because of them, but because society pushes it on us so much. And yeah, for those people, I have a lot of sympathy for.
0: Yeah, totally. I think, well, I watched Love Island for the first time and I was like, wow. If I was watching this when I was younger, it definitely would have impacted me more in that way. And even like friends I have that, we have like a group chat about it. You know, they go on the app and it will show you the look that the islanders are wearing that you can buy immediately. Like it really is like a slick machine. But like you say, I think the appeal of looking great, feeling great, not spending that much, like it's extremely hard to resist. And the reason I wanted to bring all this up is because... I see tweets and Instagram posts and things like that sometimes that are like making the very good point that people with money are the ones propping up fast fashion. So people that go on Love Island doing boohoo hauls, that kind of thing, are the ones propping up fast fashion, which is completely true. It's not like working class moms like we mentioned earlier. However, it's not always so simple as if you have the money, you can quit fast fashion because there are so many underlying factors that I know came into my like experience with quitting fast fashion mental health self-image being like the main one and not only the way you look as in in a kind of obvious way of what you buy and wear but also sort of spending money as like a coping mechanism and I think I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had that that like you know it'll make it'll make me feel better if I if I this one thing that will fix something about me you know whether that's a new dress or whether that's you know a beauty product or hair extensions or whatever it is like there are so so many like messy messy issues under the surface that i just don't think we can make blanket statements like this particularly in this culture where like love island instagram influences etc are telling us you know we have to look this way we have to have this bikini and this body and this bikini body like It's so complicated. It's so complicated. And, you know, adding on to that, if you then also have maybe come from a background where you don't have that excess, like most of us, I think, when you maybe do make money in your life, you feel like that's really special and you have to spend it like some like the issue that I had was like, you know, not having money for a while and then like, oh, like getting like a decent job or a decent paycheck or something and being like I have to spend this right now because if I don't spend it I'll like someone will take it away from me or, or, or something will happen like it's I think money is like such a like contentious issue no matter how much money we have I think we all have like really big issues with it and I think fashion being an accessible and also like very obvious outward purchase is really tied up with our feelings in that so Yeah my point was basically like we shouldn't make these blanket statements we should expect people to do better if they can but we should also take into account like the overall culture that needs to change as well and also yeah social media Love Island plays a huge part in that I'm still watching Love Island it's very addictive but I can just tell as I'm watching it like this is dangerous for all of us.
1: Absolutely like beware that trap Ruth and I don't think it's just even being stylish like it's also being sexy and being attractive there's definitely something about that in fast fashion I don't know what your experiences are but I sometimes worry that like my look is now too alternative to be sexy I mean I have a boyfriend so I'm fine but you know you just like especially when you're younger you're like oh I have to look a certain way to be attractive I don't know how you feel about that
0: yeah 100 100 it's something I still feel like probably very self-conscious about is because I don't wear trends and I don't keep up with trends and I don't have new clothing that often, you know, when it comes to like being on the dating scene, like whatever it is, or just like going on a night out with your friends, like you want to look good. You don't always want to wear the same outfit you've worn a load of times. Maybe you really would love like a, a really nice little bodycon dress, like get your legs out, like some new heels like sometimes you really do need that for your self-esteem and that's why I would like never judge people for buying a dress for a night out because like that's what that's what you do but because I haven't done it in so long like I do sometimes feel like god it would really just be such a quick fix for my mood if I had a new dress right now and living with other girls and people with nice wardrobes it's definitely a good um stand-in for that to like borrow their clothes but I do I do like deeply understand how complicated it really is and i think fashion is just so personal we all have hang-ups related to our families the way we were brought up you know our friends in school you know maybe people were bullied for what they wore maybe you know you had a massive weight change like i did like it there's so many different things that come into it that when people say like or people that can afford to buy better and don't are just like stupid or, or privileged or naive. I, I just don't believe that to be true. I think you can be environmentally and socially conscious and still struggle to quit.
1: That's a good segue into our next point which is that just buy better is not that simple. Like it's, it's a great concept and I do believe we should all buy as good as we can afford but what does that mean? Because more expensive isn't always more ethical. I mean I could do a whole other conversation about my feelings about designer fashion especially from one particular designer group that's very trendy right now um, because people think oh I've spent 600 pounds on a pair of shoes. They're good quality, they're going to last me ages and they're ethically made. No part of that sentence is true but as consumers you're not to know that. It's yeah, the fashion system is broken. If you're spending 600 pounds on a pair of shoes and they are not gonna last you. And yeah, it's so difficult. And then we hear conflicting things all the time about buy a bamboo, don't buy a bamboo, buy recycled polyester, don't buy recycled polyester. It is so hard. There's so much information, misinformation, views are changing all the time. And I also think caring for clothes properly is hard. Like yes, polyester is great because it's easy to wash, cotton is great because it's easy to wash acrylic is the same but once you start buying these more ethical fibers, you need to start learning about how do I wash these how do I store them how do I care for them and that is a lot of work. We are not taught that in our education system which again is a flaw we're not taught how do you repair a jumper that has a hole in it So buying better is not always you know it's so hard.
0: Yeah I actually like got my first cashmere jumper of my life recently and it's already been completely eaten by (laughs) moths. It's like covered in holes because I I didn't store it properly and I also didn't wash it properly so like the colour kind of ran and I could have done it I was lazy but at the same time I work full-time I have various other things going on in my life like I can't be asked to hand wash things and store things in tissue paper and all that. And I was like, you know what? Like, this wasn't worth it for me. It would have been so much easier to have an acrylic jumper from a charity shop. Like I usually buy, (laughs) but I think, yeah, information overload as well. Like what is the right thing? Every single day I log into Twitter, somebody's telling me something that completely dispels a previous view I had, which is great. Like we're all on a constant, like learning process unlearning I think it's yeah part of life and part of being open-minded but it's incredibly confusing when it comes to the personal so like the what do I actually buy when I log on to the internet like every brand now says it's sustainable I know very few that aren't every brand is at least introducing organic or recycled fibers in some way or they're at least saying they are like how is the average consumer going to dispel that when me who spends every single day looking at this stuff, I get confused by it. The like greenwashing is not just a problem, you know, for supply chain workers, for the environment. It's a problem for consumers too. It rips us off too. Like we're investing in, you know, what we think is quality, sustainable fashion and then it unravels or, you know, it gets eaten by moths or whatever. Like we are also being ripped off by the system. It's not so simple just by better. What what are the trusted information sources? You know, I might know that as someone working in the space, but how does your average person know that? How do you know which, you know, brands to trust? How do you know which journalists to trust? How do you know which media platforms to trust? How do you know which podcast to trust? It's just like, <laughs> it's an absolute minefield
1: cream oh, washing gets me so mad like especially with my styling business people normally come to me because they're kind of already on their sustainability journey and i'll have people come to me and be like oh yeah i'm really passionate about sustainability i buy most of my clothes from and other stories and i'm like oh i'm so sorry <laughs> and it's not that they're not trying they're trying amazingly well done for them but it's because the h&m cream washing machine is so strong that these people genuinely think you know, these brands that are still part of this big mass consumption, people don't get paid living wages situation are a good option. But I think part of the reason greenwashing is so prevalent is because ethical fashion still has not got all bases covered. What do you think Ruth?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we can all attest to like more and more brands coming out recently and more and more choice on the surface. However, there are still like huge areas that are being missed, huge swathes of the population that are being missed. And again, fast fashion still comes out on top because they serve these areas and, and spaces where, you know, the brands that we knew, that we know for a fact are genuinely doing better and not necessarily serving. So we've talked about, you know, size before on the podcast. But also style, like you've talked about this, Alice, like for someone who is really experimental and maybe doesn't want to spend all day every day, like bidding on things on eBay, like sometimes you just do want to know a brand that will fit your style completely and it can still be
1: difficult, right? Oh my goodness, yes. So see if I had all the money in the world, I could dress 100% ethically and follow my style and look amazing because some of the bigger labels and bigger designers are doing these more experimental things but still ethically but if you're an average income person and you cannot justify spending 300 quid on a dress then yes ethical fashion is hard like I do think we've moved a long way from the bland beige hemp situation which I'm really grateful about and I don't think I would be into ethical fashion at all if that weren't the case. But we're still not quite there yet. And I do understand that ethical fashion can't be trend-based because then it's got no longevity and therefore not ethical. But there's a difference between you can have some beige overalls or you can have a vibrant, fun, delicious outfit that is still affordable for the average person. And we are not there yet. And it's not just the style. I feel it's the quality as well. So I, last year literally a year ago bought a pair of ethical trainers because I was like right I'm not doing this anymore I'm gonna get a good pair of trainers. they're gonna last me. I paid extra. I did my research. These shoes have not lasted me a year. I wore them the other day in Glasgow and oh my god were my feet soaking and stuff like that just gets me so mad. I'm like I did the research, I spent more money, I bought allegedly better. And I might as well have got these shoes from Primark and come on ethical brands, like if you are gonna, you know, want us on board, then you have to be giving us better quality. And it's also the versatility, like I want brands to be like, here's an item that can be worn three ways. Here is the seam allowance we have built in so that when you grow bigger as you will you can take this item with you but I think there's still a lot of ethical brands and it's not entirely their fault it is the system that are still operating with conventional fashion model which maybe works for them as a business but it's not getting to the crux of what we need if fashion is to be ethical and sustainable so yeah ethical fashion as much as I love it is not there yet.
0: The main one for me, and I'm sure I've spoken about this on the podcast before, is like, when you're tall, there's fuck all to wear. Like, absolutely fuck all. And
1: or also... small. Small people problems too. Or small. Yeah,
0: sorry. Or small. Or small. The, the extremes of the heights. We, we both have like alliances in our struggles because, like, it's just... I think it also relates back to the, like, self-image and body image stuff because, like, I mean, growing up, I was like, so I hated being tall so much. Like it really was like a huge part of like me and like me growing into myself and like really like learning to like myself because I just hated being tall so much because I mean, I was like nearly six foot when I was like 11 years old. And like now, even now when there is a lot of choice out there, even in the secondhand space, like I can't find jeans that fit unless I either spend 150 quid or search for many hours on Depop and eBay. And I just want to be able to buy jeans like everyone else. I've ordered so many like jumpsuits, blazers, that kind of thing that it does need to be the right length. Tried it on and just got like kind of upset about it. Like it sounds really pathetic, but like it does upset me because I try so hard to do the right thing for my like values and morals and I really put a lot of time into shopping like I do a lot of research as I'm sure Alice is exactly the same.
1: It feels like you you are the problem in that situation your body is not right which is the opposite of what ethical fashion should be.
0: Yeah that's exactly it that's exactly it it makes you feel like why, why why aren't I catered to and I know that I'm coming at this from a really privileged perspective because like I am like a conventional straight size in in dress size, but yeah, like even in in clothes, shoes, things like that, like it can really make you feel like you're not being catered for. So I think we don't need more brands. We don't need more ethical fashion brands, but what we do need is for brands to think bigger and think, you know, a bit wider
1: in their scope. Hell yes. (laughs) (sighs) I think that's probably about all we have to say on this I don't think we've actually said anything that controversial I hope listeners will kind of be like yes this is this is how I feel about ethical fashion and that's the thing we want you to all know we are not this sort of higher being that just effortlessly finds ethical clothes it is a struggle but if your intentions are in the right place that is all we ask of you
0: exactly I do feel like I could rant about this stuff for hours but probably become more and more illegible as I drink more of my glass of wine here (laughs) but I do want to talk about in the future maybe we'll do an episode on this like working in ethical fashion and the kind of issues and, and privilege inherent in that there's there's so much more to talk about and I'm sure we'll do another one of these like ranting and rambling episodes for you i guess that's it for today we're really grateful to you all for listening as always we'll be back next week for our very first guests of series three which we're very excited to introduce to you
1: yes episode two is very much an exciting one so absolutely tune in for that but in the meantime you'll find us on instagram at common threads podcast feel free to donate to us on ko-fi we really appreciate it and if you'd enjoyed this episode we would love it if you could leave us a review on itunes see you next week